Welcome to another edition of Stokes and Folks. I'm your host, Spencer Stokes, and today we have a big show, and there's going to be two parts of this show, but today we're with Senator Howard Stevenson, I guess former Senator Howard Stevenson, and uh, and and in the studio, really the person who made it all work, Julie Stevenson, but... My better half. How many years in the Utah State Legislature? 26. 20 years. You, you kind of paused like you were trying to remember. Yeah, I was. Uh, I just <laughs> turned 70, so my brain cells are dying. So 26 years, and one of my favorite stories, and you may or may not want to tell me this now that we're doing this uh, for all of our podcast listeners, one of my favorite stories of, about you arriving at the state Senate was the education you got from at that time it was President Arnold Christensen about who could come on the floor and who couldn't. Right. Yeah. I tell the story about just there was a, a list and whoever was on right. the list could come in. In, the, in those days, uh, lobbyists who had helped with uh, campaigns uh, had uh, were on a list and the sergeants at arms of the security people were to let them come and go as they wished. And, uh, I, Oh, the good old days. And the, the Democrat minority had their list. The Republican majority had their list. And there was actually, there were actually Democrats back then. Right. I mean, right. In, in the there Senate. were a lot more, right. A lot more there. I think there were about 10 or 12 at the time. Right. Okay. Out of out of twenty nine, and they both had lists. They both had lists that the sergeants, the security people, were told if if the piece, people are on the list, they can come and go onto the into the lounge and onto the floor at will whenever they want. Which it, I mean, for for those for those of you who are listening, that is unheard of today. Um, you 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 come to the door. You send a note in to a senator or representative. They can come out and and get you or ask their intern to come out and get you and then take you back into the lounge, and you you wait there until the senator or representative comes and speaks with you. But going on the Senate floor, especially while in session, is a big, big no-no. Oh, the press also could come onto the floor at any time uh, during one really heated Thing that was going on, uh, a member of the press came over to me while we were conducting business, passing bills on the floor, and wanted to interview me on the floor. While you were listening to the debate? While we were listening to the debate. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I gave him a quick answer and said, I can talk to you after the floor. But they were used to doing that all the time. And the, everybody, they had free reign. The House also had a list. They, they had... Lobbyists could go onto the floor there as well, and so could the press. How old were you? I was uh, 42 when I was elected. Oh, really? So, so, and Arnie was probably—I don't know how old he would have been. He would, but he'd been in—he'd been in the in the state senate for many, many years at that point. So, you right. were a young whippersnapper. Yeah, you were probably one of the younger members of the senate at the time. Right, I was one of the younger. And uh, and and and. And I remember you telling me that you you uh, pushed back a little bit on this. Well, I not only pushed back uh, inside the legislature, inside the Senate, saying, "Hey, this just this can't persist." I wrote about it 
in my in my corner and said this this is wrong i said the uh, a homeless person in pioneer park should have just as much access as the most uh, as the biggest fundraiser for our campaigns and um did you get so, called in yeah i got called in <laughs> in a stake president kind of interview because he had been stake president and he he knew how to conduct those interviews and so um he uh he said and he was brilliant in um extrapolating information from people and uh kind of uh putting uh, points out there and figuring out what was in the middle just by saying well i heard this and and of course it wasn't true and so the person would say no that I, that wasn't true. It was this. And so that's just exactly what it was. How he long was, was he, he was, Senate he was president? Like, for 10 years. He was the, the most brilliant uh, detective that I've ever known personally. I mean, seriously, he, he could really figure out things. And, and he also was really good at making sure that the legislature had a good image. Uh, there was some... There was a, 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 a senator who stole money from uh, a fundraiser, and he made sure that that was taken care of internally uh, rather than uh, having the press stain on the it. Press. Yeah, he just said, we're going we're gonna to keep. And that was his reason for calling me into the office was to say, we don't air our dirty laundry outside the legislature. If you have something to say, say it. And I so said, he wasn't necessarily attacking your position. He was attacking the fact that you dared write about it in your yeah. Taxpayers Association uh, right. president's corner. And I, and I, uh, but I said to him, well, I'm not going to stop talking about it publicly until it ends. And it ended the very next session. So at that time, the, the press was still had a place on the floor but that was quickly done. But away they couldn't with. come and interrupt you during a debate or right. talk to you during and, a and debate. And they didn't even have a place on the floor. They, if they wanted to monitor the legislature, they had to go up in the gallery. And there's a place for them with a plexiglass screen so that they could still be speaking on the radio if it was a if it right. was a radio. So we accommodated them. But uh, at one point. Um, in, in several of the leadership offices, and they were the only ones who had offices at that time, uh, the office for senators and representatives was on the floor. Right. Uh, there was that right currently uh, in, in the legislative process, every House member and every senator has an office, a private office. Right. Some are in the Capitol. Some are over in the two office buildings behind the Capitol. But at that time, only leadership had offices. Right. And what... Uh, and we also didn't have any help in our district to cover district services and that kind of thing. And I pushed that we needed some sort of help so that we could have some people who could help us do the work so that we weren't taking our, our resources from our families and our time from our families as much as, as otherwise was what, required. What year was your first session? 1993. 1993. Right, and that was Mike Levitt's first uh, right. It was year uh, as governor. Your we, both, we both ran on the same uh, campaign, having served on the Education Strategic Planning Commission, and uh, we were together as as lay people on that. And he ran to be the governor to implement it, 
and I ran to be a senator to help implement it. And, and that convention, uh, just it's a little claim to fame here, was held in Weber County. Yeah, it was um, at the Golden Spike Arena. Talk about congestion! One little lane to get into to that get in and out. Time. Yes. I don't know if that's still the case. It's but still that, the case. Well, we oh. have two entrances, but but yes. Yeah, it was it was awful, and I I uh, I had my votes. I thought you needed seventy percent at the time, and um, so you 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 went through the. I knew how to count right because I'd right. served in you, because I'd lobbied the legislature for fourteen years before that. But the process, but the process to be elected, um, needed, is is kind of the same. But it, you had to go to your 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 senate district covered two counties. Yes. So you had to go to the state convention to be elected. Correct. And you had a finite group of delegates that you yeah. had to to uh, speak to. And at that time, the threshold was 70%. Yeah. So you had to get 70% of the votes to avoid a primary election. And, and so now I've set it up yeah. so you can tell the rest of the story. And so uh, my opponent... Uh, I didn't have an opponent until five minutes before the filing deadline. And this is a hilarious story. Because my <laughs> opponent uh, had 10 years in the House. He was uh, the stake patriarch in Highland and the first mayor of Highland after incorporation, beloved of his community, and uh, he, was, he had filed to run for re-election as a House member. But the UEA and the UPEA both uh, went to him and said, we will make sure you win. We'll do the work for you if you just will file. And so they were doing business that final filing day. Uh, the, the calendar was very different back then. And, but the legislature was meeting that day, and he, just, he was finally talked into it about, I don't know, in the mid-afternoon. Of the final was, day of filing. Finally did. And he, so the, he went into the uh, lieutenant governor's office to change his and at that time, you had to file, if you're going to change your filing, you had to file at the place where you filed initially, which was Provo. So he jumped in his car, went down there, and if I had known, I would have had somebody let the air out of his tires or something. <laughs> but because, his, because his house district was solely was contained solely in Utah in, County, yes. so he had, to, he had to unfile there first before he could file for the Senate, and the Senate filing location was in the Capitol because it was a state uh, it covered two counties, right? So it, today you can actually do it in any, in any either place. Yeah. Um, it's one of the ways. Uh, unlike Georgia, we've made voting easier. Uh, so filing. <laughs> so so uh, I was in the Capitol Rotunda when he came in from the legislative parking structure. He was just sweating, uh, just rushing, and. Um, I saw him, and he said, I've decided to file. And he went in uh, five minutes before they closed the doors. And then uh, at the Weber County Convention, I, I had contacted every single legislator or, or every single delegate. I think you thought you had enough votes. I had 71%, 71 percent, right. I, I had it down. You know, I know how to count, and I always have known ever since I was well, the longest. Had, you know, head of the Taxpayers Association, we'd certainly hope you know how to count. Well, but it's but it's judging people's uh, reactions to you and that kind of thing that you have to evaluate. It's not it's not as easy as accounting for money, right? But um, so we gave our speeches. Um, 
Julie was in a Stevenson's for Senate t-shirt and all five of our kids from biggest to smallest were standing up there in front while I was giving my speech. It was so sweet. (laughs) And and I'm sure that there was bribery involved to get them to do that. (laughs) Yeah, they got lots of t-shirts from different campaign booths that's the treasure of the convention well and they were handing out all kinds of things during that that was a massive convention yeah, because, bob because bennett, you had bob joe bennett's Cannon. open seat um so it was bob and joe yeah they were spending you know ghastly amounts brent, of money uh, uh, brent Iyer and richard Iyer, richard and, Iyer and, yes and, um, and mike levitt mike levitt yeah it was it was an amazing convention just and, as a little tidbit and, and cannon had uh Greenwood's sing yeah. live. Lee Greenwood back when he I'm proud to be an American. Yeah. The lights went dark. Yeah. We can do a whole and episode. They had a on whole this. different sound system for Lee Greenwood yes, than be, for the rest of the convention. Yes, because as I'd like to point out, uh, I was a county commissioner at the time in Weber County and uh, I sang the national anthem with Scott Simpson and our sound system didn't make us sound as good as Lee Greenwood. No. I'll just tell you that right no. now. And I'm sure it wasn't the lack of talent. Uh, Not it, at all. It was just the sound system. I but, didn't know Scott sang it with you. Yes. Yeah. We sang a duet of the national anthem. Was that the Credit Union national anthem? We didn't even know either of us were going to be that 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 time. We oh. both. He worked for me in Weber County, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. Huh. Uh, so any so anyhow back to the so you're they're standing up there you're this is going to be one of the tough challenges to keep yeah. Senator Stevenson on the and same the, story and <laughs> we're when we feed off each other so it is a problem so 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 uh, my opponent's nominating speech was given by the former Speaker of the House Glenn Brown and he said we simply cannot have a lobbyist serving as a legislator. And he's not leaving the Taxpayers Association. And and I've actually heard that for the past twenty six years. Yeah, and I <laughs> and I proudly tell all my delegates that I have a tremendous conflict of interest. I advocate for lower taxes, and if that's a problem for you, you should not vote for me. <laughs> yeah, and throw so, throw them into the briar patch, yeah. right? And Mont Evans, an incumbent in the House at the time, gave my nominating speech. And said, it doesn't matter if he's a lobbyist, because you have all kinds of people at the legislature that makes a good mix. And he started lit, listing through them. And then he walked over to where Glenn Brown was, says, and even dairy farmers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what Glenn did for a profession. Yeah. Uh, and and I, it was so, he, he, he just got such joy out of saying that to him while he was looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> but you you didn't get 70% of the vote at that 69.5%. There were two of my delegates that had committed to me that were working on Joe Cannon's campaign, and that was a real Senate race with a capital S. Right. This was a little Senate race with a small S, and therefore neither of them showed up. I went over to the, to the Coliseum, and to the booth where Joe Cannon's workers were and tried to find them and couldn't. If I had found just one of them, you would have avoided I, the I would primary. have avoided the primary. The primary I just felt I had So lost. it's a massive it's a massive uh you know, from from the, the numbers, it's a massive victory. But but you still had to drive home knowing you were going to have to run a primary election. Yeah. Which 
Which was in September in those days instead of an early. Right, because we changed it. This was the year that they decided to change it because uh, Senator Bennett and Joe Cannon beat each other up all summer, cleared down clear to September. So that was from essentially Mother's Day in uh, May to September. They were just pounding on each other, and the powers that be in the state, the political Illuminati is what I call them, they decided to change that law so that the the primary was in June and then everybody could rally behind who the nominee was. Yeah. So you had what did you go on to win that particular primary or that yeah, it's that about primary by two to one almost. I carried every precinct except two precincts in my opponent's neighborhood in Highland. And that his probably his ward and his uh, area and and he probably lost because in, in the other areas around him, even though they were in his stake because of bad patriarchal blessings, maybe <laughs> they didn't like him. And so they, and so they, so, <laughs> they voted for you. <laughs> so Julie, uh, in every re-election, every election and re-election, Julie has said, why are you fretting this? Why are you going to all these lengths? And just, so the last time I ran, uh, I finally caught on to her her advice just stop sweating it so much because you know i would lose sleep i called it the uh the re-election diet plan because i would lose 20 pounds just anxious and because i couldn't afford to lose you know being being my full-time job with the taxpayers association i didn't want to come back as a lobbyist you uh, felt like your credibility was on the line who, who am i so uh i i just fret about it a lot but in the very last election we went to Dallas to a Dallas Cowboys game. We took our grandkids and we rented a house on Halloween. You know, that final week before the, uh, yeah, the it's, election, you it's know, maddening. that's when you really do everything. Yeah. I was absentee. I I just decided, thanks to her counsel, oh, it, you it, need it, to enjoy life. And, and that was so memorable to be with my family in in the Dallas Cowboys game and all of that. And we were on the 50-yard line. We just, it was wonderful. Here's how stupid I was earlier. I thought that I could actually. Well, I mean, he's at least acknowledging at one point he was stupid. Even, <laughs> even okay, earlier. so that's good. Yeah, now earlier. I'm, now, now I'm exactly. Brilliant. But I thought that I could change uh, the state school board's attitude towards school choice. You know, vouchers and and. Uh, charter schools and and that you were going to se- you were going to send it and they invited it to me to speak at their annual convention which is the Friday banquet at Little America before the uh, the legislature started or at least a, a Friday in January after their big convention and they invited me to be the uh, a speaker that evening at their banquet well we had. We had tickets for our family to go to Kingsbury Hall, and I had always wanted to take Julie to Chicago to see her heartthrob, Donnie Osmond, uh, in in yeah the Joseph and the Amazing yeah. And here he was at Kingsbury Hall. We had the tickets, and stupidly, I thought, you know, this is my chance to save education and to convince these people if they could just hear me. And here's this chance for. That, to have them as my audience, and surely they will all say, oh, Stevenson, you're right. Let's go for school choice. And what, and did, what choice missed, did you make? I missed being with my family 
And uh, who did Julie take? A family friend. So everybody got to see shirtless Donny Osmond in Joseph. I bet that was dreamy. <laughs> and you, you were over <laughs> trying to. You you what thought a yeah you yeah that's 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 hilarious. Okay, I want to I want to touch on I want to touch on one uh, last story, um, which kind of has to do with this, and that's the first time you went to two differing meetings, a, a UEA meeting, and you took Julie with you, mm-hmm. a UEA meeting, and then you went to a, a parents for, for choice, choice yeah. a meeting. I want you to tell that story. We we only have a couple of minutes remaining, okay. so tell that story. This is the first time I was running, and she came with me to be supportive and to show that I have my wife's support to run. And these were delegates. And one time, uh, earlier in that evening, we had the UEA teacher delegates, mm-hmm. and later we had the school choice delegates. And wh- when the UEA asked me my attitude towards school choice, I kind of soft-pedaled it. I, I didn't lie. Truly, I didn't lie. I just didn't emphasize in the same way. And, and when I got to the uh, school choice people, I was swinging from the rafters, and they were they were hearing my message. And we got in the car and uh, clicked seatbelts, and I could feel this cold wind coming from, you know, just this <laughs> The passenger silence, side of the car? This silence from the passenger car side of the car. Back then, I actually drove. Um, <laughs> and... She was just sort of looking sad, and I thought that I had finessed that so well. I was just proud of myself, and she started to cry, and she said, I didn't know you were like that. I didn't know you would behave that way. If you can't tell your same position with the same passion to both groups, I don't want you to run because I don't want that in my husband." I don't want you to be calculating. I just want you to be authentic. And I, I don't know when I have felt so ashamed in my whole life. Nothing I'd done had, had made me so ashamed as realizing that, that that's not acceptable. Yeah, that I loved. I, I, I just, I love that story. But I, I'm going to tell, uh, to end this, I remember the final night of the session two years ago, um, there were there were rumors that you weren't going to run again, and I I I I think I talked to you about it about it a couple of times during the session, and and you were pretty guarded about it. Um, but I just remember going over to the Senate floor at the end of the session. Yeah, they open the doors up. It becomes much more relaxed at the end of the Even session. Even lobbyists. Can- Even lobbyists can come in at that <laughs> point. The sergeant-at-arms kind of throw their hands up. And I just remember standing at the side of the Senate floor and hearing you were you you announced that you weren't going to run again. And it, it kind of was one of those, for me, world stands still for a moment because my entire time as as a lobbyist, my career, you were an institution in the, in the Utah State Senate. And I, I wondered uh, how this was all going to function because, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit in, an, in another episode, but there are many, many, many pieces of landmark education or landmark pieces of legislation in education 
and in tax policy that but for you and your touch on it never would have happened. And so just as, a, a, as an aside, I don't need to suck up to you because you're no longer a, a, a state senator, but I'll say that it was an amazing 26-year career in the state Senate, and the state of Utah is a better place uh, because of Senator Howard Stevenson. So this ends another edition of Stokes and Folks. Thanks for listening. Make sure you go like us and uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, Connor Sorensen. Thanks, Julie, for being in studio, and we'll talk again next week. <laughs>